0: And then we're going to jump all over uh, worship, a working definition, part three. OK, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word that is truly a lamp for our feet and it is a light for our path. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that by the work and illumination of the Holy Spirit, you would cause your word to pull all of that off today, that your word would be our teacher, that I would simply be a vehicle. So, Lord, I pray you guard me from error, keep me in truth uh, keep me in line with the text. And God, I pray that in that you would bring your people to worship, um, not just in song, but when they walk out of this room, uh, that it would continue as a living sacrifice. Lord, help us to make much of that today and making much of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking about worship, a working definition, right? So this is week three. We're going to finish that definition up in the next few weeks. We're going to continue to unpack worship as a life that we live Remember, our, our launching passage has been Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So worship is not the song we sing. It is being a living sacrifice. Students, I had this thought as we were as we were uh, singing, as part of part of just part of our worship, that when we go to camp, man, we 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 see you guys, and we know that you sing, and you are exuberant, and you are fired up, and sometimes we come back to the real world because life is not camp. Life is never going to be camp. Camp exists as a launching pad to 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 get you into a place that you can engage well, and and so. If your exuberant song... Remember, worship is living sacrifice first. And somewhere down the line, maybe 10th, music is part of that. Okay? But if your song at camp is more exuberant than the real world, you're worshiping the song, not the God of the song. Church, if your worship in song is more exuberant with elevation or Getty or Hillsong... Than it is in the private moments or even in this room, you're worshiping the song, not the God of the song. Because worship's essence is living sacrifice, not song sung. Songs are a part of that, again, down the line, but they are only a component in outflow of a living sacrifice because the sacrifice is alive. Right. In other words, all that I am, all that I do, completely, utterly handed over to God for God's ends. When that is our life, then we come and we will sing songs and regardless of who wrote them or their style. Your exuberance can be what it needs to be because you're worshiping predicated on the style. It's on the God who made the style, right? And so, therefore, worship is a living sacrifice, right? So, let's go back to our working definition. You can do the hand motions with me if you like. If not, the rest of you, well, God bless you. But it will help you remember the definition. And so, uh, worship is communion with God, which believers, by grace... If you're a man, you can handle the spirit fingers. Suck it up, buttercup. By grace... Center their minds' attention and their hearts' affection on the Lord. Humbly glorifying God in response to the revelation of His glory and His Word. Alright? Worship is communion with God in which believers by grace center their minds' attention their hearts' affection on the Lord. Humbly. And here's where we'll camp out today. Glorifying God. And then in response to the revelation of His glory and His Word. So... Worship as a living sacrifice looks like glorifying God. And since worship is first and foremost, being a living sacrifice, I ask this question. How are we to glorify God? Glorify God because glorifying God, the Bible uses this language. How are we to glorify God as a living sacrifice? Notice I'm not asking how do we glorify God in our songs? That's down the line. We will get to that. But how do we glorify God as a living sacrifice? Well, the Bible gives us three distinct ways. And and you will find these as you mine out your Bible. As you read the text of Scripture, you will find that God speaks of being glorified in three distinct ways. And you're going to find these very familiar. If you've been around three rivers very long, you'll begin to recognize that there are Three distinct ways that we speak about this. And it won't surprise you. Number one way is vertical. Man to God. Man to God. The second way we glorify God as living sacrifice is horizontally, inwardly, man to man. And then the third way the Bible speaks about us glorifying God as a living sacrifice is horizontally outward. Man to man. How do we say that? We say... Up, in, and out. We talk about our vision. Our vision is for God's glory disciple the nations. Because that's the vision Jesus gave us. Okay? So the end for which we exist is God's glory in discipling the nations. Well, what's the mission? How are we going to get there? Well, by being and producing radical followers of Jesus. Right? We call that the radical life. And we find that the Bible gives us three relationships up, in, and out. This John 15 life of abiding in Christ and Him producing in us by His power, by the powerful gospel, a vertical relationship with God in which we walk with the Lord, we commune with Him. Then He produces fellowship inwardly where we are kin, we are fellow members of the household of God. We're brothers and sisters and we walk with one another and we love one another and we care for one another. And the Bible speaks to that glorifying God. And you'll see that in just a moment. And then outwardly, right? Man to man, we are to glorify God among the nations that they may know and worship Jesus. And so the Bible gives us these three ways that as a living sacrifice, we glorify God. So let's start with up. How do we glorify God in this up, this vertical relationship as a living sacrifice? Oodles of passages, by the way. No way we could cover all of them in in our time today. So I picked Psalm 22 Twenty-three, Psalm 22, 23. And here's what it says. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. And by the way, all through the Psalms, when it says, sing to the Lord or praise the Lord, they're not suggestions. In the grammar in which it is written, they are commands. Okay? So, you who fear the Lord, praise Him. It's not optional. All you offspring of Jacob... Glorify Him, stand in awe of Him, all you offspring of Israel. Hebrew poetry rhymes not phonetically, but in thought. Okay? So, when you read like the Psalms and the Proverbs, and it appears to say the same thing, but just a different way, that's how Hebrew poetry rhymes. Like when we rhyme, we think... We think Sam, I I am, green eggs and ham, right? We think Dr. Seuss. We think phonics. Well, when the Hebrews wrote poetry, the way they rhyme is they rhyme in thought. So it'll be a parallel thought. In this psalm, it gives us some parallel thought. You fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. What's the parallel thoughts? Praise and glorify. So those of you who know the Lord, who fear him, who walk with him, praise him. All you, and then he gives a, a clarifying statement, all of you offspring of Jacob in Christ, who's that? Us, right? All of you offspring of Jacob, those of you who are of the faith of Abraham, those of you who are the real Israel, glorify him. Well, how do we do that? Well, he gives us some more qualifiers in parallel statements. Stand in awe of him. So to glorify God and to praise Him as a living sacrifice looks like being in awe. Wow. Standing in awe. This word glorify is a beautiful word. Because it means literally straight out of its definition is to make heavy or to be heavy or to honor. Show Him to be weighty. Show Him to be Heavy. Honor him rightly. And we think we hear that and we think, geez, how, how do you show God's heavy? Is God overweight? Like is he, how is God heavy? How is God weighty? Here's an illustration to help you understand that. If we were going to talk about swimming pool design. All right. Let me ask you a question. We're going to bring two people up here. Christian Esme. All right? And Mitchell Jolly. And we're going to discuss pool design and construction. Whose word is going to be more weighty? Whose thoughts are you going to give more weight and credence to? Christian. Because I don't know anything about building pools. But he's a master pool builder. Right? And so when he talks about building pools, what are you going to do? You go, I'm going to listen to him. And you're going to show Him honor. You're going to defer to Him. You're going to take His words as more valuable and more weighty. Why? Because He's the man. Right? And so when the Bible speaks about glorifying God, standing in awe of Him as a living sacrifice, what that looks like for you and for me, it looks like we give Him the weightiness that is due Him. In other words, when God speaks, we listen to God. What God says we do. Right? Now, here's where the rubber meets the road for us. Our culture, in a silent fashion, whispers to us what we are to value and what we are to do. God's Word often speaks something different. How do we glorify God as a living sacrifice? When we do what God said, not what our culture says. Amen. Right? And so the evaluation of this, this could be like... 20 other sermons in which we take one way in which we have a cultural acceptable methodology and we could contrast it with God's methodology or God's way. We could do multiple sermons on that and so we don't have time for that. What we have to trust will happen now is by you thinking about glorifying God as a living sacrifice by showing that His way is more weighty is you trusting the Holy Spirit to speak to you tomorrow morning, this afternoon, about how to obey Jesus' commands in light of maybe how you're feeling, or in contrast to how you're feeling, or in light of what's coming at you tomorrow, or in maybe contrast to how you feel about that tomorrow. In other words, we glorify God when we... Consider obedience to His Word and His Spirit more vital than my perceived wants and or needs. As Luther said, my flesh is wont to grumble dreadfully. Because of the curse of the fall, I have a tendency, there's a part of me who wants things contrary to God. (laughs) Right? Pride arrogance, self-sufficiency in all manner of things. But when I read the word, when I read scripture and by the silent and sometimes more than silent whispering of the Holy Spirit, his values collide with the values of this fallen thing right here. And I make a decision at that point. Do I obey God and do what Paul said by putting a sword in that and killing that thing that really will kill me? And obey the Lord, or do I gladfully and gleefully walk to my spiritual death? Because after all, it feels good. Right? So, to glorify God as a living sacrifice looks like obedience to God and His Word and His Spirit. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He'll take care of all that other stuff. So glorifying God looks a little bit like seeking the rule of Christ over us in every detail of our lives first. That's up. Then what about in? How do we glorify God in the in relationship? How do we pull that off? Well, we glorify God in the in relationship by Romans 15, 1 to 6. I want you to listen carefully. He hears verse 6. Because you read verse 1 to 5, and we're thinking, um, what does that have to do with glorifying God as a living sacrifice? And then Paul does what Paul's really good at, is capping it off with the uh oh. He says, Romans 15 1 to 6, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. If you'd like to write in your Bible, underline, not please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good. That's a qualifying statement to help you understand what it means to not please yourself. It means please your neighbor for their good. To build him up, underline that. Why? Verse 3, for Christ didn't please himself. So, we're imitating Jesus. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. And so, therefore, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another or with each other. Underline that. In accord with Christ Jesus. Right? So, did you catch it? Don't please yourself. Please your neighbor for their good. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And so he tells us verse 5, we need endurance and encouragement. Why? Because that's hard. So he prays, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. So may God give you what you need to pull that off. You pray that? Lord, will you help me today to not please myself? No. near <laughs> Negative. That's not how I start my prayers. Oh, God, help me today. Right? Now, here's why. Verse 6. You got, what does that have to do with living sacrifice and worship? Here you go. Verse 6. That purpose clause. In other words, here's why you need to do that and pray for God to help you. That together you may with one voice. There it is. Glorify The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow! So by doing that, we glorify God. We show that God is more weighty. His way is better. His way is right. And so I'm going to do it His way. We glorify God when we bear with one another. We glorify God when we seek to please others, not ourselves. The seeking to please oneself is the chief reason people walk into a worship service with a poopy attitude. They walk in angry and upset because they were in it for them. But if we walk in with an outward glance to the good of others, we're not concerned with what our thing is. And we seek to honor other people. And Paul tells us when we do that together, we glorify God. In other words, that's being a living sacrifice and that's also worship. let me say this to you guys who sometimes you're on stage and you have to hustle down and get in the back and work radical kids and it's also your Sunday to set up and greet. That's not wasted. That's worship. And for some of you guys who walk in and watch them perform and do nothing, you're not worshiping. Because if you thought by getting preaching and getting the song that you like, that you worship today, you've misunderstood worship. Alright? And so I want to say to you guys who just lay it out every Sunday, working hard, Jesus sees, He knows, and He's received it. And there's reward for those who lay up treasure in heaven. It's a promise the Lord gave us, is it not? So take courage. Those things aren't wasted. If you pick up trash, you haven't wasted your time. If you take out trash, you didn't waste your time. You sought to please others, not yourselves. And God honors that and he's received that as a fragrant offering. So no, it's good. It's good. And then there's the out component. How do we glorify God in the out relationship? Well, that's a very good question. How do we glorify God in the out relationship? Psalm 96, verse 1 to 10 tells us. This is okay. <clears throat> I want to I could spend the whole sermon on Psalm 96. This is this is mission-central, right? How do we glorify God in this out relationship? The relationships here are just absolutely astounding in Psalm 96. Psalm 96, 1 to 10. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. So we are to sing, right? Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Exclamation point. So, who's the audience? The whole earth. Whole earth. Sing to the Lord. Verse 2. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation. Tell of His salvation from day to day. So, part of our singing is to be the telling of His salvation. Which is why our songs should reflect the work of the gospel. Right? Verse 3. Declare His what? His glory where? Among the nations. So what are we to declare? Glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. Why? Verse 4. For great is the Lord. He's great. That's why. Why, why do you tell of his salvation? Because he's great. And I stand in awe of him. That's all you need. It's not because they need it, it is because he's great. And what do we do when something's great? We tell. I, I evangelize people on all the all the time because it's great. I'm always evangelizing people to great things, and it's funny we'll leave Jesus out of that. So why do we tell of his glory? Because he's great. And greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, little G, why? Verse 5. For all of those gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. In other words, there are no other gods. There's one God and He's Jesus. And so He's great. And so we sing to Him and we tell others and we declare it to the world. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. (coughs) Verse 7 and 8 are huge. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. You know what ascribe means? It means to to say it's His. To to say it belongs to Him. And who's He asking to do this? The families of the peoples. All these nations and all the families in the nations are to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. It's yours. Yours is the glory. Yours is the strength. Right? Right? Ascribe to the Lord the glory. What? Do His name. He's do it. Bring an offering and come into His courts. You don't come into His courts without an offering. In the Old Testament, you could not come into the courts without an offering. Right? So what's our offering? To come into the presence of the Lord? Living sacrifice. So what do you walk in here to bring Him? Me. Me. I'm not my own, I've been bought with a price, I belong to you, what do you want from me Lord? How can I show you to be weighty today? Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So when we sing as we're commanded, there is in a great degree a declaration of his glory. Which is one of the reasons it's a good idea to invite your friends. Who need to know Jesus to a place like this. Because when we sing we're declaring those excellencies. There's a gospel proclamation. But we are to also in our declaring. In our speaking uphold him. In the public square. Where we work and where we live. And we engage our domains. And we are to speak of his glory there. We are to not hide that. One of the great. Gifts God has given to our church. As we represent multiple domains globally. Do not withhold his praise. In those places. Speak honestly. Speak truthfully. And honor others. And watch God bring himself great praise. As you ascribe to him. Give credit to him for all of his things. So worship is glorifying God. That's what it looks like to glorify God as a living sacrifice. And our final component is. We worship in response to the revelation of His glory and His word. So we worship as a response to God. There's so many ways. I just want to deal particularly here. We could talk about His glory and His word. Which I think we have that squarely settled for us as a church. But I think it's important for us to hit the response to the revelation. Our worship as a living sacrifice is a response. Do you understand what a response is? Illustration. If you've ever played tennis, somebody hits you the ball, and what do you do? You hit it back, or you're not a good tennis player. In other words, you respond, right? If somebody speaks to you, they say, good morning, do you ignore them? Yeah, if you're not nice. What do you do? You respond, right? Right? In other words, worship is that response which means God is the initiator to worship. Which is why it's absolutely essential for you to walk with the Lord daily because He is the one to whom you respond. Now, this is beautiful. This is, this is we got to the text here. But I want you to listen. God doesn't just send you to your domain to go figure it out. He sends you to your domain to walk with him and he will speak to you and lead you in the way that is right. He promises that. So when you go to work tomorrow, be sensitive to his leadership and who he brings across your path, but also the job that you have to do. And don't look past the little details as though somehow the God who made the atom skipped over the fact that you got to work on that spreadsheet. And as you engage those little details, listen for His voice. Listen for His leading. Watch His providential ordering of your day. There's no such thing as interruptions God didn't bring. So we worship in response to God. Romans 3, 10-11 says, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. So there's nobody just offering up praise that God himself didn't elicit. I don't have time to hit all these, but Genesis 24, 22-27. Abraham's servant is led to Rebekah as the bride for Isaac. It's a great story. And what does he do? You read the story? He didn't find her. She found him. Why? Because God sent her. He's on this journey to find a wife for his master's son. Among all these people. And lo and behold, she just happens to walk out at the right time. What does he do? The man bowed his head, verse 26 to 27, and worshipped the Lord. And said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way. So what did he do? He worshipped. He bowed his head and he worshipped. Why? Because the Lord led him. Who initiated that? God did. Hey, Rebecca, it's time to go get some water feed the camels. Oh, yeah, it's time to go get water feed the camels. Okay. And so she goes out to feed the camels and lo and behold... Here's the servant. He recognized it. He saw it and he worshipped. Do you live every moment of your life looking for those divine moments, which by the way is every second of your life? He gave me breath. Thank you, Jesus. That's worship as a living sacrifice in response. Matthew 14, to 33, Jesus walks on the water, right? You know the story. Peter messes up, takes his eyes off Jesus and Jesus saves him, pulls him up in the boat and Oh, you have little faith. Why don't you doubt? And those, this is verse 33, those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the Son of God. They responded when Jesus showed them his glory. God's always the divine initiator of worship. God redeems image bearers. He's given us his spirit. His word and creation should prompt us to be a living sacrifice. You ever notice how created order never ever fails to obey the decrees of God? And us image bearers fail to obey the decrees of God constantly, right? Trees just obey the sun. Why? Because their life depends on the production and photosynthesis of the proper amount of sugars to live. So what do plants do when the sun shifts in the sky? You ever know anybody grow stuff? You got plants in your house? Right? Right? Where do they go? They go where the sun's at. Why? Because it's life. <laughs> it just is. Golfers, do you know the grain of a green grows toward the hottest part of the day in the sun? Because that's where it gets its greatest nutrients. Professional golfers know that and they know how to putt on that. I don't. I just know it's a fact. I don't know how to use it. Point is, point is, created order obeys. We should take a cue from that. Live in such a way that at the prompting of the Lord, I move instantly. I keep myself in a position to move and obey Him as a living sacrifice. Recognize also, finally here, God uses difficult challenges to our faith. And even failures of faith to display His power, His might, and His mercy and cause us to worship. I think oftentimes God brings the greatest worship from His people when we fail. Because when we succeed, it's real easy to start thinking. And and, and God says this all through the Word. When you succeed, lest you forget that I'm the one that did it and you deny me. So sometimes God brings the greatest praise as living sacrifices from his people through our failures, even our failures of faith. So I ask you this question, how does how has God revealed himself to you? Here's what you need to do this morning and this week. Respond as a living sacrifice in this small portion of worship service right now. Respond as a living sacrifice by singing glory to his name. Maybe your response looks like repentance. Maybe you've been wrong to somebody and you need to ask forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit's prompted you already about it. You need to obey him. That's living sacrifice. Don't sing the song. You can't sing it anyway because the Holy Spirit's bothering you. Like, I wish I'd just shut up. I need to go home. It's killing me. Obey him. That'll be worship. Right? Then you can sing later. All right? Maybe it looks like, very simply, you need to sing. Remember, Jesus' last act before his arrest was to lead the disciples through the order of the Passover, and they sang a hymn, and then Jesus went out to be arrested and crucified. Now, good news, none of you are going to be arrested and crucified when you leave these doors. But you have observed an order, and you can sing. And if we do those things, I think we're a long way toward a life of worship as a living sacrifice as a church. And so when we do come to these moments and times where singing is the appropriate response. We'll do it well. Not because it sounds right. But because it's just right. Right. Let's pray. Father we ask you now to. Um, we ask you now to do in our time. Um, good stuff for us. Um, Holy Spirit I, I trust that will look like you. You. Um, Speaking to us and convincing us about maybe sin, maybe the right thing to do. We're looking for the right thing to do. We're asking, seeking and knocking and we want to obey you. And so you'll show us the right thing to do. Or maybe for some of us, it's the better thing over a good thing. And, and so, Lord, help us, help us now. Pray you'd do those things for us. That you would use the atmosphere of this room to, to bring about answers and, and, and insight and, and repentance and all those good things. Would you pull that off this morning? Um, pray that you would bring from our, our mouths the fruit of praise that will bless your name. You've got to pray for your people when they do leave here that the living sacrifice and won't stop. But it will carry over into our work tomorrow. We need you to do that. Help us to do that with prayer.